This sermon series focuses on the Lord's Prayer, Jesus' answer to the disciples' request to teach them how to pray. Last week, our Pastor Alan Duncalf spoke about God's rule, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This morning, Pastor Alan looks at God's provision, give us this day our daily bread. One of the old hymns of the church actually refers to Jesus as the bread of heaven, and it is a petition to God that he would feed us until we no longer are wanting of anything else. The phrase daily bread is reminiscent of God's daily provision of manna for Israel when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. We're also reminded of the warning that God gave Israel. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We quickly recognize that Jesus is teaching us to look to God for all of our needs and provision. We are to pray that God will nourish us with his word as we read the Bible. And we are to ask him to meet our daily need of food, clothing, and shelter. Jesus is instructing us to trust in God and not in money. This is really a daily loyalty check. Am I loving and trusting in God or in money? Jesus reminds us we can only love one and not both God and money. Welcome. Good to have you here today. We're continuing in our series on the Lord's Prayer. And the skit you just saw is based on the life of one of my heroes. His name is George Mueller, who had a, uh, an orphanage. I think he had over 2,000 kids that he was responsible for. And the way he explained is that he did it all by faith. He, if, if they needed food, they got on their knees and prayed. So what you just saw was actually all based on, on, on something that actually happened. These are, all, these are true events that you saw happen today. And those are the actual people. <laughs> now, when I first started praying, I didn't really know how to pray. I, I know that we were constantly encouraged to pray. Uh, last week, I mentioned my Sunday school teacher who said, you've got to read your Bible and pray every day so you'll grow, grow, grow. And in fact, it was a song we sang. If you don't read your Bible, if you don't pray, then you're going to shrink, shrink, shrink. So here I am, a young Christian, trying to figure out how to, how to really pray. I mean, when you're really little, you say your bedtime prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to take. If I should die before I wake. Again, very gruesome prayer, but we prayed it every night. And then we prayed uh, our grace. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. Not really thinking about it a lot. And as I got a little older, I began to really want to go deeper in my walk with God. And I, I really started to try to pray. The problem is, is that nobody really taught us how to pray. And if they did teach it, maybe there was a sermon on the subject. Maybe I missed it or I didn't get it. I don't know. But uh, I, I remember struggling, trying to, trying to pray and, and wondering, am I, am, I, am I hitting all the bases? Am I, am I remembering everything? Am I, like, after I've prayed, have I... Can I pray with satisfaction, knowing I've remembered to pray for everything I'm supposed to pray for? I would pray for things like this. Um, I'd say, God, please, please help all my relatives become Christians. I pray for my aunts and my uncles and my cousins that they would all become Christians. Um, I ask God to bless my parents, my family. Um, I ask God to help me with, with my school, with schooling, uh, help me with my exams. Um, I prayed that God would help me to be a good witness to my friends. And, and then this next prayer request, maybe not as 
you know, as uh, a spiritual as some of you might think, but I wanted to be, you know, a cool kid. Can you believe that? I wanted to be cool. I wanted to dress cool. I wanted to look cool. And I just said, God, I just pray that uh, you just help me get those, the, the latest in fashion. And back in the late 70s, it was platform boots, good couple inches. I think the higher the better. And a good polyester leisure suit. Does anybody remember these days? Or my, yeah. And then, of course, you had to have a puka shell necklace on, like choker. Guys had those, wear them. They're white, beautiful, really nice. And then, of course, that good hairstyle, slick right back and mustache. Uh, I tried to find a picture, and that's what I found. <laughs> Isn't he the coolest dude you ever saw? And that's exactly what I wanted to look like. Uh, and my hair was kind of like that, actually, and I did have a mustache, and I was actually pretty close to that. But that's what I prayed for, and, and um, I, didn't get, I didn't always get brand new stuff. I got my brother's hand-me-downs, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to subject you the, to this any longer. I'll put it back to that. <laughs> but uh, that was my prayer. I just, God just helped me with those things. I didn't know what to pray. So here's the thing about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer just a reminder to us all, is not a prayer. Someone told me after the morning service, oh yes, pastor, I pray the Lord's Prayer every morning, and then I go on and pray for the other stuff. So I said, well, like, how do you mean? Well, I, I say the Lord's Prayer, and then I pray for all the things I want. So I'm going to say, whoa, 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 wait. You're, not, you're missing the point. The Lord's Prayer is not a magic formula. The Lord's Prayer is not a prayer that you sort of uh, ramble through, sort of as a, as a sort of a magic incantation that somehow if you pray that, that something magical is going to happen. It's a structure. Remember we said that? In fact, the Jesus, uh, Jesus said, uh, when you pray, whoops, when you pray, pray like this. When you pray, say this. We see two versions of the Lord's Prayer here. Um, understanding that, that it's a structure, it's not an actual prayer that you pray and that's it. You've got to flesh it out, you, you've got to add to it, it's an outline. Or if you want to put it like this, it's an agenda. We're going through an agenda of things that we need to talk about between us and God. And so the, the thing that, that you and I need to understand is that when we pray the way Jesus has taught us to pray, this is how we pray in the Spirit. We're praying according to God's will. We're praying the way God wants us to pray. And so I want to show you the, uh, the first petition which we have gone through. And it, it begins, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the first petition, the first request. And so the first thing we understand when we pray this petition, our Father in heaven, the heaven refers to that place where God is. Uh, we could call it his throne room, uh, the meeting place. Uh, sometimes I called it the Garden of Eden. It's a spiritual place. That's why we decorated uh, as though we are in the Garden of Eden. So as soon as you close your eyes, you imagine yourself in the presence of God, um, for me, when I pray, I think of, uh, of a, a lovely garden. I think of God on his throne. And I think of myself as coming to meet with the chief executive officer of all of the universe and of earth. 
You and I are in conference with God. So every time you go into prayer, you are actually going into the conference room with the King of Kings. You're sitting down with him and you're having a discussion. And the discussion you have is based on the agenda that Jesus gives us called the Lord's Prayer. Again, it's a structure. It's not a prayer. It's a structure that leads us or guides us or helps us in knowing what to pray, making sure that we cover all the bases. And so here we are using this agenda. So you're in the throne room of God. And remember we said that we have access to the throne of God because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Remember anybody, now this is really important folks, anyone who has put his or her faith in Jesus Christ as the one who has taken away his sin or her sin, the Bible says you have access to the throne of God. You have the ability to go before God. Now, the wonderful thing is this, is that when, uh, see my dad sitting there, I'm going to pick on you, dad. When you go into the throne room of God, uh, you'll be happy to know, dad, that God doesn't see you. At least he, he doesn't see you initially. What he sees is Jesus. He sees his son. He sees, he sees somebody who has his sins forgiven because of Jesus Christ. And it's not just my dad, by the way. It's anybody, any one of us who has put his or her faith in Jesus. And you say, Jesus, I want to do it your way. So we say, our Father in heaven. And then we say, uh, we, we, in this our Father in heaven, we are praising him. So we think of where we're at. We begin to praise him. So that's the first thing you're going to do when you go into prayer every day. You get your, your focus off of yourself and onto God. And I think most of us are smart enough to figure out why that's important. Because how many know that when we focus on ourselves, we, uh, lose, we lose faith, we lose hope, we're discouraged. All we can think, of about, think about is our problems, our lack of money, the marriage, the kids, the, the neighbors, the work, our boss, and life is, ah! When you focus on God, you begin to praise him, you begin to worship him, and then suddenly you realize that God is greater than anything that you may be facing. And then you thank him. And here's what you thank him for. You thank him that he is your savior. How many understand today that Jesus is your savior? And this is not something, folks, listen, because we take this for granted. And I know what I'm preaching to you right now, you've heard this a million times. And that's the problem. You've heard it a million times. It's not fresh to you. Every single one of us is in need of a savior. This pastor sitting up here today is as much in need of a savior as anybody sitting here today. And so I never take for granted, what Je or try not to, take for granted what Jesus has done for me at the cross. I come before God and I say, God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, God, that because of Christ, I have grace and mercy in your sight. And God doesn't give me what I deserve. Hallelujah. But God gives me the answers to my prayer because of Jesus. You can never forget that. So we begin by worshiping him and praising him. And folks, here's a marvelous thing is that he's our father. And you praise him. God, thank you that you're my father. Thank you that I belong to this wonderful family. How many have dysfunctional, crazy families? Just go. Oh, no, don't put your hands up. Just <laughs> oh, too late. <laughs> don't point. Don't point. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Here's a, here's a wonderful thing about the church, is that this is supposed to be a little less dysfunctional than what you grew up in. This is supposed to be a place where you are safe, where you are loved, where you are cared for. 
And, and that's all made possible because of Christ. And this is what we begin by thanking God for. And then what we do is we say, hallowed be thy name. And of course, by that we mean, God, thank you for your grace to help me not bring shame on your name. Remember, this is the warning that God gives the children of Israel. Do not bring shame on the name. This is what God says to the children of Israel over and over and over again. If anybody here has read the first five chapters of the Old Testament, you know exactly what I'm talking about. God warns Israel, do not bring shame on my name. Do not bring shame on my name. Do not bring shame on my name. Say it with me. Do not bring shame on my name. This is, this is what God is saying here. So we're saying, God, you put your name on me. Did you know that the name of God, if you if you're a Christian today, if you're not a Christian, then just listen along and it's very interesting. But for those of you who know that you are saved, that you are a Christian, the Bible is clear that the name of God is upon you, is in you. And so it's very critical, folks, that we never bring shame on his name, that whenever we see God, whenever we see uh, people, and whenever we are engaged in our culture and our society, we don't bring shame on God's name. People, when they look at us, they see they see God in us. They'll say, you know, there's something really special about him, something really special about her. That person really has a great walk with God. Whatever he has, whatever she has, I want that. Can I ask you a question? Do, do, would people say that about you? Or would people say, whatever he's got, I don't want it? Whatever, whatever she, like, whatever her problem is, man, I just got to get away from her. Listen, there's, some, there's supposed to be something winsome about us because God is in us. And so, folks, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And this is how we begin this prayer. You notice the focus is on God and bringing, holy, and, and, and bringing glory to his name. By the way, speaking of this, uh, some of you may remember me sharing the story about the time I was driving over the Israeli freeway and somebody, a guy in front of me, had a bumper sticker that said, honk if you love Jesus. So, uh, so I honked because I love Jesus, and the guy turned around and flipped me the bird. Uh, not too happy. Uh, so we would say this guy is bringing shame on the name. So you and I want to live our lives in such a way that people recognize God in us. And then we pray, and we, we learned this last week, the second petition, thy kingdom come. And what are we doing? We're praying for God's rule to be established in people's hearts, particularly our children, in our, in our family, in our church, in our community. Uh, people that we love, that we want to see them become Christians. We're praying, God, let your, let your rule come. To these people, I pray for my kids every day. God, let your rule come to my kids that they would serve you and follow you and obey you because you're the king. And I pray for the salvation of, of, of friends and family that don't know Christ and, and praying for God to move by his spirit in Burundi and in our community that people would come to know Jesus Christ. That's what we mean when we pray, thy kingdom come. And then we pray, thy will be done. This is the third petition. And a petition, by the way, in case you don't know, is, this simply means a request. I'm asking God for this thing. God, let your will be done. Let, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's at this point you're saying, God, Show me what you want. Give me guidance. Give me instructions. Show me, show me what your will is. Show me what your will is for, uh, for my kids so that I can guide them and teach them, instruct them. And I, God, let your will be done in the lives of my children and in, in the life of the pastor. I hope that everybody here prays for your pastor because I sure need it. You pray for your church and you're praying for our missions team. This is why we're praying. We're praying, God, let your will be done. Who prayed this prayer? Jesus did, didn't he? Just before he went to the cross. Some people think, you know, Jesus went to the cross as a piece of cake, but it wasn't. 
Before Jesus went to the cross, he went to the garden to pray, to get alone with God. And he said, God, if it's possible, I'd rather not do this. If it's possible, I'd rather do something else. Is there another way? And God said, no, this has got to be the way it is. And so Jesus prays that famous prayer, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Your will be done, God, not mine. And so this is the example that we have. And every day, God wants us to pray this. Today, we're praying this special prayer. It's the fourth petition. Would you read it with me? Give us... One more time. Give us today our daily bread. So first of all, what I want you to know is this fourth petition marks the middle of the prayer. We are now in the second half of the Lord's Prayer. We, had, we, had, we opened with three petitions that focused on God, and then the last half of the prayer, uh, petition four, five is next week, and six is the week after, it's a focus on us and our needs. And the very first petition here uh, in the second half is give us today our daily bread. Now here's what I know about everybody here. Uh, most of us start here. When we go into prayer, this is where we start. We start here, God, I'm in big trouble. My bank account, my car's out of gas. My car's broken down. My kids, they got to go on a field trip and I don't have enough money and there's no milk in the fridge and I don't have enough. And God, I, gotta, I need a raise and I need, what about retirement? And, and we, just, we just come before God panicking. God's saying, well, hang on a minute here. Let's not go to, ha- to, to petition number four. Let's do the other ones first. Here's what I've discovered after praying this Lord's Prayer and using this structure for the last 30 years, I've discovered that by the time I get to the fourth petition, my heart is filled with faith. And now I'm not worrying, I'm not stressing, I'm saying, God, thank you, I know that this is not a problem for you, God. In fact, here's what I discovered. In praying the Lord's Prayer, I've discovered that about two-thirds of my time in prayer is spent on the first three petitions. And then the last three petitions, it goes like that. And I'll tell you why. Because in the first three petitions, you have allowed faith to rise in your heart and you're excited about serving God and you're excited about trusting God and God reveals himself as faithful. And the rest of the needs, it's not a problem. And so I want to just encourage you with that. God knows exactly what we need to pray and he knows what the order of the prayer should be. He understands how this agenda needs to be set up. It's a brilliant prayer. Now, One of the things that I want everybody to understand today is that God wants to meet your needs. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you put your faith in him, here's what I know 100% for sure. Uh, I know it because of what the Bible says. Uh, and, And equally as important, I know it because of personal experience. God wants to meet all of your needs. Tell the person beside you, God wants to meet all your needs, real quick. Okay, lights back down again. You get the drift. God, I want you to go away from here with this stuck in your brain. God wants to meet all my needs. And the reason I know it is because Jesus keeps telling us that. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. This is God's will. God wants to provide for you. You know, I see some young people sitting here. God wants to make, wants to give you a great job, a great career. He wants to meet all your needs. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to find the right partner for your life. He wants you to, to really know an abundant life. This is God's will. So Jesus teaches us to pray. God, give us today 
our daily bread. Now, folks, this is a very short sentence, uh, six words, and very, very powerful. And so I want to quickly unpack it so that when you pray, you'll pray with just, with just incredible faith, believing that God will answer your prayer. Uh, before I go any further, I want to just say this. Gloria and I learned really early in our married life that God wants to meet our needs and that God will meet our needs. Uh, we, for our wedding and for our honeymoon, which we believed was really important, and then actually going to Greece, we just saw God's provision. And I've shared this with you before, but i got to tell you, I'm going to share it again, because it was one of the things that God used to, to establish this truth in my heart. Glory and I were, uh, were expecting Jesse. Jesse wasn't born yet, uh, but he was on the way, and it was obvious if you look at Gloria. And uh, for whatever reason, our, our paycheck wasn't coming through. There had been a strike, and in, in Greece, strikes were quite common. And the, there was a strike at the bank, a mail strike, and so we had no money. Now, remember, these are the days, before, if you can believe this, young people, before email, no such thing as an e-transfer, no such thing as direct deposit with your camera, with your phone. Uh, there's nothing. If, and if you didn't have somebody who lived nearby that could lend you some money, then you had no money. It just it was plain and simple as that. You couldn't withdraw anywhere. So this, here we are, no money. It's six weeks now, folks, six weeks. And you know what we're earning at that time? A little over 600 bucks a month. That was it. And I'm going to tell you, we were, it was literally threadbare. We had nothing left. In fact, I think we found some, uh, one day I just said, okay, Glory, we're out of money. And I went rummaging through the pockets of some of my clothes. I found a, a 5,000 drachmas. It sounds like a lot of money, but it's not. It's only like 50 bucks or less. And we spent that, had nothing. And then suddenly, we, get this, we get this knock, this knock on the door from our neighbor lady. And she brings us over a plate of delicious Greek food. And uh, we said, thank you very much. Thank you. Was, I thought that was really nice. But she kept doing that. So finally I asked her, um, listen, I'm very grateful and I don't want us to stop. But I'm wondering, uh, why are you doing this every day? We're really, really grateful for it. Why are you doing it? And she's, here's, a, here's what I discovered. Greek custom, Greek superstition, is that when a pregnant lady smells food that's cooking, if she can't eat that food that she can smell, it'll damage the fetus. Isn't that great? It worked out really good for us. And, and so... <laughs> And so she did not want to be the one responsible for damaging our son, Jesse. And so she brought that food to us every day. And uh, it was right during that time when we had absolutely no money. And I, I, rem I remember that so clearly because that was a turning point for, for me personally. And I said to Gloria, you know, God has proven himself faithful. He will not leave us with nothing. How many know that there's a Bible verse that says that, that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread? Have you heard that before? Folks, that is scripture. God is going to take good care of his children. He's not going to let you down. He's not going to fail you. But having said that, there, there, are, there are some provisos. There's a few things that you need to understand if we're going to take God up on his word. And the first thing that we want to understand is the context for this prayer. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 6, and it's verse 28 and on. And, and here's what it says. Listen to this. Jesus says, 
And why worry about your clothing? How many of us are, I was worrying about my clothing. Oh, God, please, give me a leisure suit and a, and a shirt that opens down to my belly button. Hallelujah. <laughs> why worry about your clothing? Now, if I was wearing that kind of clothing, I'd be worrying about that. Uh, Jesus says, look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Now, that's not me asking. That's what Jesus says here. Why do you have so, so little faith? Then Jesus says, so don't worry about these things saying, what are we going to eat and what are we going to drink and what are we going to wear? Jesus says, these things dominate the thoughts of the pagans, of heathen, of people who are unbelievers, people that don't know God. That's what people who don't know God think about. A believer, somebody who trusts in God, is not worrying about these sorts of things. Because Jesus says, your heavenly Father already knows all that you need. Now, please understand something today. What I'm saying to you right now, what I'm sharing with you, folks, is, is a life that is by faith. A life that is fully trusting God. For so many people who call themselves Christians, uh, folks, frankly, let's be honest, uh, it, they're just religious. They're not really living this life of faith that Jesus calls us to. Jesus says, don't worry about these things because God knows all that you need even before you ask. And then that famous verse that, that I love so much, I claimed as my own verse, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. What to eat, what to drink, what to wear, where to live, your job, Kids, all these things will be taken care of. But, but remember, folks, this petition, give us today our daily bread, it follows thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice that that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. He's saying you got to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. In other words, you got to obey God. you got to be advancing his kingdom. you got to be involved, working hand in hand with God. And then all the things you need, you have nothing to worry about. God's going to take care of all of that. Some of us sitting here today live like that, and we know, we know that, that that really works. God really does meet all our needs. You know, when I came to this church, uh, didn't make very much money, very, very little, not enough to live on. But, uh, but the church was generous to me. They gave what they could. I was very thankful to God for that. But, you know, God, God provided for us. We came here because that's what God wanted us to do. In fact, someone suggested I take a job on the side. I said, no, God's called me to be the pastor of this church and to, and to, to do whatever it takes to do the work of the kingdom here. So that's all I'm going to do. And then whatever I need, that's God's problem. And so what I tried to do, what Gloria and I tried to do, is we tried to be the best givers in the church. And not just to give our tithes, but to give mission, to missions and to any, any project that we were doing. And guess what? God met our needs and our church began to grow and lives were changed. I want you to recognize something today. We teach people here how to have a daily walk with God. We're teaching you the Lord's Prayer because 
Because praying every day is what it means to walk with God daily. And when you're seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness, then here's what I know is your pasture. If you're walking with God and engaged in advancing his kingdom, then I don't have to worry about your needs because God's going to take care of all that. This is what we teach our own children. We're teaching our kids how to read their Bible and how to pray every day, how to walk with God, to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And when that happens, I know that God will meet all their needs. And I'm going to tell you, folks, that's exactly what God has done for our family. And I say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. So you need to understand, then, my job as your pastor is to teach you how to pray. And by the way, there's instructions in the, the, the beginning of my message. I'm actually going to print that out on a card so that you can take that home as your guide to help you pray through the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis. So let's go back to this. Give us today our daily bread. God wants to meet your physical needs, and God wants to meet your spiritual needs. God wants to help you with, your, with forgiveness and unforgiveness, and God wants to help you overcome temptation. But right now, we're focusing on our daily and our spiritual needs. The phrase uh, daily bread, it actually harkens back, and, and anybody that would have heard Jesus teaching this would have remembered Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness. And if you know the story, it goes, uh, I'll just remind you, the children of Israel are delivered out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness. And Moses looks around and thinks, oh, no, I got over a million people here. How am I going to feed them? There's no Costco nearby. Can't buy in bulk. There's no superstore. We well, wouldn't want to go there anyway. Uh, there's, there's no, uh, there's, there's, there's nothing. Where are we going to get the food from? There's, there's no farms. There's no fields of, of wheat. And God wants to teach his people something. He wants to teach them that he is their provider. And so what happens is that God gives Israel manna. Every morning they wake up in the morning and the ground is covered with something that looks maybe like, like, maybe like massive cornflakes. Only they're frosted cornflakes, the best kind. Frosted flakes every morning. The children of Israel woke up in the morning and they think, oh, what is that on the ground? And uh, nobody said, well, that's manna, because the word manna means, what is it? So every morning they would wake up and, what is it was on the ground. There's, what is it everywhere? Do you want some, what, what is it, dear? Yes, dear, like some, what is it? Every day they're having, what is it, for breakfast. In fact, they're having, what is it, all day long. And here's what the Bible says. God says, gather just what you need. And you know what the Bible says? If they gathered more than they needed, you know what happened? It became infested with worms and rot, and it was disgusting. What's God teaching these people? The same thing he wants to teach you and me. God wants to meet our daily needs. He doesn't want us to worry about tomorrow. Maybe some of these enterprising Israelis uh, thought, well, you know, I'm going to gather a bit more, and those who are hungry want a snack at night, well, I'll sell them a little bit of extra manna. No, it would rot. Because God wants us to understand he's going to meet our every need. And in Moses' day, it was with, what is it? And thank God that uh, God gives us more than what is it today. Thank God he provides exactly what we need that you don't need to worry about your tomorrow. In fact, God wants his people to understand that. In fact, God says on Friday, just before the Sabbath, gather enough for two days. 
so that you don't have to work on the Sabbath day. You can rest, and you can enjoy worship, and you can talk to me, and we can have a relationship. That's what God said to Israel. Can I just say something to you right now? The Spirit of God wants us to see something here. Because for so many of us, we are so anxious and so uptight and, and so driven uh, to, to, to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth that it's at the detriment of our walk with God. Our love of money now has become more important than our love of God. And we miss church and we miss meeting with God and we miss our small group. And because we gotta, we gotta save, we gotta get money, we gotta get money, we gotta get money. And God's saying, don't kill yourself trying to get ahead. Be happy with what I wanna give you. Now you need to understand that. God's gonna meet your every need. He promises that and he tells us to pray, give us today our daily bread. You know, when, when, when uh, I married Gloria, she had been, pa uh, uh, I was going to say pastoring, actually nursing up in the Northwest Territories, and I phoned her from Greece in January. I said, will you marry me? And she screamed and, and fainted. No, she didn't. <laughs> but she said yes. And so I came home from Greece. We got married. We went back to the mission field together. And then she didn't work again for many years. And she could have, and we would have had a lot of money, but she said, our, our kids are most important. And I said, amen to that. And we focused on our kids and, and believed that God would give us today our daily bread. And it was, when it was the right time, then she went back to work so that we could now in turn be generous and give and help and support everything that we can. God wants to meet your needs. He wants to provide for you. He wants to give you an abundant life. What are you spending your time and your energy on? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, work on your relationship to God, and God's going to take care of the rest. He's going to meet all your needs. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to stress about. But it's not just your physical needs, folks. It's also your spiritual needs. Now, something you need to remember when Israel came into the promised land, and Moses is now winding it down, he's ready to, to pass on the leadership of Israel onto Joshua. He, uh, he writes that last chapter, Deuteronomy, and, and, and God is speaking through Moses to his people. And here's what God says. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you or your ancestors. And he did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So here's what you and I need to understand. God wants to provide for us our physical needs, but he also wants to provide for us our spiritual needs. God wants to feed you spiritually. And the way that he does that, folks, is through his word. He wants you to feed on his word because man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the word of God that comes from the mouth of God. This is why I am uh, almost uh, radical. I'm, I'm almost like a crazy man with my kids, trying to teach them, instruct you got to read your Bible every day. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. You, so what if you got a great career? So what if you got a massive bank account? But if your heart's far from God, you're going to be in trouble. 
And you know that that's exactly what happened to Israel over and over again. God wanted to provide for them. They wanted to meet their needs. But every time they forgot about God and they got wrapped up in their money, the next thing you know, they drifted far from the Lord. And next thing you know, God has to send them into exile in order to teach them. Can I ask you a question? What does God have to put you through in order to keep you back on track? Wouldn't it be better to save yourself the heartache and the hassle and start feeding on the word of God because man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God? Do you know, Jesus, he was tempted. And uh, that was the very first thing that happened when he began his ministry. Before he could do any preaching, he was tempted by Satan. And this is what it says in Matthew 4. During that time, the devil came and said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. In other words, what's, what's Satan saying? Don't trust God, trust yourself. Take the initiative. Take charge of your life. Have a dream, have a vision and go for it. And God's saying, Jesus saying, no, that's not how it works, Satan. And there's a lot of preachers that preach that, but I'm going to tell you right now, that is not biblical. No, what does Jesus say in response to Satan who says, trust yourself, not God? It says, verse 4, but Jesus told him, no, the scripture says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because some of us have gotten away from God. We've been caught up in trying to trying to make it a nest egg for ourselves. We're caught up in trying to, to make a, a, a comfortable living for ourselves. Look, there's nothing wrong with a comfortable living, but if it comes at the, at, at the cost of losing your walk with God, Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains a whole world but loses his soul? And so we, we want to make sure that we're doing things God's way. I'm saying all this to say this, God wants to provide for you and he wants to meet your every single need, every need. But you got to do it his way. You can't do it your way. You got to do what God says to do. And so Jesus is instructing us to trust in God and not in money and not in ourselves. And this prayer, when you pray this every day, I'll tell you what this is. It's a daily loyalty check. Am I loving and trusting in God or in money? Is Jesus number one in my life? Am I doing it God's way or am I doing it my way? I'm going to say there's no easy answers to this, but I can tell you this. You know in your heart right this very moment as I'm speaking whether or not your heart is drifted away from God or if you are tight now, I'm going to tell you, there's no condemnation or judgment. God loves you. He's your father, and he wants to help you succeed. He wants to meet your needs. He wants to take care of you and your children, and he's going to give you a great retirement. Don't worry about it. But as long as you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you have nothing to worry about. Just keep doing things God's way. I love this verse here. Paul says this to the Philippians. Paul's asking the Philippians, hey, Philippians, you, you, you Christians there, I need your help. I need your support. You need to support me in my mission work because I can't do it on my own. I, I, I need you to support me. And he promises the Philippians, he says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Folks, if you're seeking first God's kingdom and 
putting God's kingdom first, and if you're advancing his kingdom, if you're, you're giving to the work of God, if you're tithing, if you're giving and supporting a child in Burundi, and if you're, you know, can I just say something to you? Oh, this drives me crazy every year. Every year, people will say, $70 is a lot of money for a banquet. You're not paying $70 for a meal. One time a year, we get together and celebrate our mission work around the world. One time a year, we're asking everybody to come together to make a donation. Everybody make a $70 donation. One time a year, we're asking you to give $70 to help us do the work God's called us to do. Folks, listen to me. If you and I will say, God, I'm trusting you to meet my every need. I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to give... Even if I feel like, oh, we're, how am I going to pay for my bus? How am I going to pay for this and put gas in the car? How am I going to do this? You take that step of faith, I'm going to guarantee you something. And I, the reason I can guarantee this is because I have lived like this for, for 35 years. I'm going to guarantee you that God will not owe you anything. In fact, the Bible says when you give to the poor, you are lending, you are, you are lending to God. And God is not going to owe you anything. In fact, here's what the Bible says. We talk about, give us today our daily bread. Jesus tells us this, and I'm going to close with this, in Luke 6, 38. Give, and you will receive. That's what Jesus says. Do you trust him? People who don't give don't believe Jesus. That's what it comes down to. You just simply don't believe what Jesus says. And by the way, can I tell you what the definition of a Christian is? The definition of a Christian is somebody who believes Jesus and does what he says. So if you refuse to give, what you're saying is, I don't trust Jesus, I don't trust his word, I don't believe Jesus. I believe some of the things that Jesus says, but not everything. Well, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to believe everything he says. Give and you will receive, our Lord says. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, and then running over, and then poured into your lap. That's how much. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Gloria and I have, have lived and experienced God's amazing provision in our lives. Everybody, when, you know what, when we started this church, someone said, you know, you need to see a financial advisor. We went to see a financial advisor, whom I'm not going to mention by name, not in this church, by the way, in another church. And I told him how much we made, and he said, well, actually, um, you don't have enough money to live on. And I said, well, you're right. I don't have enough money, but God does. And he's going to make, meet all my needs. He said, well, I can't sell you any products. I can't do anything for you. And I said, well, you, you're the one that wanted to talk to me. And I'm telling you what I've got to live on, and I'm telling you how God's going to take care of me. Well, uh, this, this man's still my friend today. But after we were done, like, he told me he needed $6,000 a month to live. And that was a long, long, long time ago. And then I said to Gloria, well, he's in the money managing business. He can't live with, without six grand. I can live on like, just a little over $1,000 a month. Who's the better money manager? I'm the one that should be in the business of doing financial management. What's the key, folks? Trust in Jesus. He's going to meet your every need. Give and believe that he will return it to you. Let's stand together.
Father, thank you for your provision. Thank you, God, that you give us everything that we need. Thank you, God, that you've given us clear instructions on how to live in this life. Uh, we confess to you freely, we admit freely, God, that it is sometimes really, really hard for us to live the way you've called us to live. But God, when we are generous and when we give and we seek first the kingdom of God and seek to advance your kingdom, then we know that when we pray, give us today our daily bread, we know, God, you will meet that need. You will give us everything we need. You will nourish us spiritually. You will nourish us physically. And so for that, God, we thank you. And we pray now that you give us a faith to take those steps of faith to give. Even, when we're, even though we may be a little bit worried about tomorrow and worried about how we're going to make ends meet. God, you'll never let us down. You always provide for us because of who you are. Because you're, it's your name that's at stake. It's the glory of your name. It's your reputation. And God, you will never, never, ever fail because of who you are. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Tell the person beside you, go give generously.